Mondays. It's Great Mondays Radio. I'm Josh Levine, your host, founder of Great Mondays. We help executives from hypergrowth technology and social enterprise organizations build cultures that attract, engage, and retain top talent. If you'd like to be a guest on our program, hang out for about 20 minutes and I'll tell you how. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Great Mondays Radio. I am so thrilled to have Morgan Gerritsen, Director of Digital Operations for Persephone, uh, which is a company that uh, calls itself the Platform for Climate Management. So super interesting stuff. Thank you for coming on, Morgan. Yes, thank you. It's great to be here, Josh. So let's start with you're not a culture professional, but you do culture professionally. Yeah, let's nothing start. nothing on paper gives me any kind of qualifications for being a, a culture export expert. But um, but you know, I'm just somebody probably like a lot of your listeners that just is in love with this idea of culture and love to be kind of part of building it in my company. Right. So that's that's great. That's that's exactly where I want to start. So tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are. Um, not being a culture professional, but here you are talking uh, talking about culture. Uh, you said you were a recovering product manager. Is that is that right? I did. I came from the product um, pro- program management, product management side of the business. Um, I've been in software and technology for close to twenty years. Yeah. Um, my first run in software was not great. I don't think I was ready for it at that time, that age. Um, we might come to that story later. Um, but yeah, I've been in. I've been on the product side, um, where I was very in tune with with the team and really protective of the team and really important, making uh, really important relationships and 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 energizing those relationships over time. Um, so I've developed this need for uh, inclusion and sort of representation, and so I've carried that with me now. I'm on more of the IT side of the business, but um, I still manage to carry that over. At Persephone, I actually run. Somehow they tapped me a couple of years ago to run the all hands. So I'm one of the internal faces of the company too. So every couple of weeks, you know, all 300 of us or as many of us are as are available, jump on a call together, talk for an hour about everything that's going on across the industry, across the company, um, any sort of monumental occasions with our teams. Um, so we have an opportunity to connect every couple of weeks, even though we're spread across 13 different countries. Yeah. So to me, that's really important. Um, one of the things I celebrate in the all hands call is, um, you know, in- encouraging teams to get together in their locales. So we have, for example, maybe 10 people here in Portland and we get together every once in a while for drinks and take a photo and then it goes on the all hands. And so we have this sort of celebration of community, even though we're completely remote. Yeah, that's a it's a fun opportunity to get engaged. Why? Um, why? I think there I think a lot of newly distributed organizations are scrambling to figure out what they should be doing. So um, why, what, what would be the case that you would make to um, other, another organization that would, that, that they should be encouraging their group, like their team, like a team that happens to be, you know, in and around Hamburg or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, Hyderabad or whatever it might be to get together. Why, why should they, why should they do that? So hard to get the face-to-face connection over Zoom. Um, in a hybrid environment in particular, when some people are in the office and some people are remote and there's nothing more exclusionary than being the remote person on the hybrid call. Yeah. Um, so that experience is kind of crummy. 
Um, we actually encourage people to just everybody on the on the call kind of zoom in on their own device. But separate from that, it's hard to get the real connection um, from afar, um, the real person in-person connection, and, and it's available. And our team is so strong and we have so much talent that it's a shame not to get together. And that's kind of how I project my message to the to the team is get together with these people. You'd be blown away. You don't have to be an extrovert or anything. There's people, you know, if they're an hour away, meet them, get on a train and meet them, have a drink yeah. and blow each other's mind. Yeah. Um, and the company will, will, will pick up the tab. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that I find compelling is of course, getting together with uh, someone that you work closely with in person is really nice. Um, but even more compelling is those that you don't work closely with, right? If they're on a different project team. So it's, that's what I was kind of getting at. And you're like, well, why, right? Like I don't interact with this person. You're like, well, maybe you could, or like you can learn from somebody. This is a great excuse to, to connect with somebody that you're, that works at your company. You have something in common with. Absolutely. I mean, I, whenever we get together, I would say of the eight or 10 of us here, I'd say none of us work together on a day-to-day -day -day basis. Perfect example. Had an absolute blast. We all had, everyone was over at my house for a holiday party and brought the kids. And I mean, it's just, it's like a little family. Um, mm. We have obviously a common interest. We have, we work for a company that has, you know, a, a, um, a mission that we all are aligned with. So we already have that in common. So why not, you know, spend some time together getting to know each other in real life. Um, and it, it's been, it's been really helpful. I think it ends up being you know, giving us a little bit of boost and energy for, for productivity as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So let's get back to your, your, your journey. So um, I think it's very similar to a lot of folks that probably listen, which is um, they kind of arrived at culture organically or something like that, right. Where you're like, oh my gosh, I actually think this is really important and they bring it with them, even if they don't have it in their title. What was the, when did you start, like, what, what was the moment that, or did you have a moment where you were like, oh my gosh, culture is really important. This is something that I, that, that I, I think we need to focus on. Unfortunately, mine is probably on, on the, a negative experience. Um, I think that's, that I, is, that is not, I mean, it's totally common. legit. Yeah. That's pretty common. I have a slew, a long list of great experiences, but um, one was my second, maybe second job out of college was for, um, for a software company and it was global. It, I think that I was probably too young for that level of corporate mentality. Um, and I think that honestly, I don't feel like at the time and things are probably different now. Um, you know, it seemed like around me, maybe it was just the people I was surrounded by that it felt like a little bit overworked, a little bit underpaid. People were sick a lot or calling in sick a lot. And I felt like right. I was surrounded by B and C players and it was, it just felt empty and it felt like mm. this, I don't want to work at a place like this. I want to work at a place that energizes me. And I don't feel like this is where people come to die. <laughs> did, did you have, I mean, it's early in your career. You didn't have an, an experience to really compare it to. I mean, a lot of folks will go, oh, my last company was a lot better. This is, you know, not, but you're early in your career. You're like, there's gotta be something better. You're not comparing it to anything. Is that, was that the kind of thought? Yeah, I think I, I think I, you know, having brought myself up and, and the way I did, I was just like, this life was too short. Um, 
and I just kept poking around until, you know, I kept finding kind of a little bigger, a little bigger, a little bigger and making really strategic decisions along the way. Um, one of the choices I made when I, I moved to the Northwest, um, maybe 11 years ago and had an offer, a great offer to run marketing, uh, electronic marketing, email marketing at Starbucks and decided um, to actually take up some friend of a friend on a coffee date to go see what he had to offer. So he had a, a, a little startup he was getting ready to expand. And I met with him for coffee and decided that I'd rather work with this person and his one partner and have the opportunity to just blow up my knowledge, have an impact on culture, be impacted by culture. We had partners that were in Vietnam at the time. Um, I had, it was just like a very easy decision. I mean, I had a very sure thing with um, yeah. a large corporation and a yep. very unsure, like jump off in the deep end type of journey. Yeah. So did you, did you, I mean, at the beginning of, of your, your culture journey, did you know when you were having that crappy experience that that was culture where you were like, you know what I need is I need better culture or was it like, did you, did, is that like, how did you talk about it? Yeah, I, I think it was culture. I think that, you know, the way I think about culture now and like how, you know, it's, it's relationships, it's empathy, it's um, pulling each other up. It is having mm. space for each other to be their, their entire whole selves. Mm. And that was limited there. And at that time, again, I'm, this is a long time ago. Um, so, I mean, I, I think people, people moved on from there with like being better people but I think that the ability for somebody to show up and be exactly who they are, that was missing then. And the further I've gone in my career, the closer I'm getting to that. And the yeah. more that I'm, I'm sort of trying to inspire that. Right. Well, now you're in this position of being able to influence that. Mm -hmm. I, I when, you, when you, so you've, you've been at Persephone for almost three years. Mm -hmm. um, when you first showed up, we were like, and I'm going to also help with culture. Well, it's, it's funny you say that the, one of the questions in my interview and granted, I knew all three of the founders already I had worked with them before. Um, so they knew, they pulled me over based on who, what they, right. knew they, they knew what you brought. They, yeah, they knew what they were getting me to. Um, <laughs> but one of the questions I asked was, you know, we're early, this is an early young business in the future. What company would you like to emulate as far as culture? And I mm. did use the word culture. I said, what do you, who do you want to be like that's out there now? And without really any hesitation, one of the founders said, well, Patagonia would probably be the closest. And, you know, whether or not we're, that's where we are, like that was enough for me to say, I, I can align with that. Mm. Um, it, you know, if you would have said something like, you know, any kind of Bitcoin company or any kind of like, you know, hedge fund management company, I probably would have, I don't know if that's the right fit for me. Yeah. Um, not to say those are wrong. It's just for me personally, like the Patagonia alignment yeah. made yeah. a lot of sense. Exactly. So it's your responsibility really going in to, to make sure and discover that. And I also, when I'm interviewing people for jobs, I also ask them, what are you looking for? And one, one important question I ask them is when you get stuck, where do you go to find inspiration? Whoa. And I try to understand if, if we are a fit and it could be anything, you know, it could be, they go for a walk or a hike or, you know, they go swimming or something, but if, you know, if they don't feel, if it's like, oh, I go and play a video game, then we may or may not, that doesn't mean the conversation's over or anything, but 
I mean, um, what are you looking to learn from that? Right. So I, I I'm going to tell you, I I'll go for a, I'll go for a run. That's where I perfect. get what I, like, what do you, what is that? How, how do you, I mean, how do you, what, what are you learning from that? So you have some tool that serves you to go out and sort of clear your mind and find inspiration. And then I would maybe follow up with, okay, well, what do you, you know, what kind of things, what are you, what are you thinking about on your run? Are you thinking like how to solve a problem or, you know, um, right. I don't know. It can kind of go in any direction. It just depends on how the conversation is going. Interesting. So it's a little, um, it's not that you're looking for an answer, but it's right. like, it's a, it's a way to kind of direct the conversation and pull it apart. That's so interesting. It's an interesting yeah. approach. Um, so the organ, so Persephone right now is a 300, but you joined when it was uh, quite a bit smaller. What challenges have you found and what, what successes um, when it comes to scaling an organization, a technical or very technical organization, um, where, you know, what, what have you seen and learned from that and how have you gotten it to, I mean, 300, 200, 300, that's a serious number, right? Now you're getting yeah. into a serious organization. So I'll tell you, I think the biggest jump was most likely when we hit about 40 and you'll hear this a lot in startups that that sort of is like the pivotal moment, right? Where yep. you're, you're starting to need to establish some kind of, some sort of something to rally around. And I think in the beginning, we were all running around doing every doing everything. It was a ton of fun. And then as we started to grow, we said, well, this needs to be able to scale to the next level. And we didn't have like a fully ramp up um, onboarding experience built before we hit that point. We started building it and have yet have since built a wonderful onboarding experience. I think that's one of our actually the, one of the most significant feedback we get from new hires is that our onboarding experience is great. I, I'm not biased, but I do think it is good. Um, <laughs> and it, as part of that, um, and then as we scale to the, you know, so now we're talking about how Carbon Accounting 101, what tools to use, our CEO meets with them. There's, you know, sometimes there's a group that starts on a Monday together, like a cohort, it's sort of like more evolved. Um, and then in addition to that, in addition to core values and a mission statement, we've also got what are operating principles. Mm -hmm. They're simple, they're almost tangible, and they're easy to, to link back to, and they're like celebrated every single day, all day long. Um, so I can tell you what they are if you want. The first yeah. one is um, deliver customer results. So obviously, you know, we're, we're going nowhere without our customers. So it's like customer delight is still a thing yeah. um, all day long. Um, and the second one, this is probably the, the one that we get... Um, we leverage the most insisting on excellence, which means like giving and, and receiving a ton of really constructive feedback, really candid feedback and having thin skin that's thick enough to kind of let some stuff come through. Some stuff will bounce off. That's okay. Um, but being able to sort of take in that feedback, convert some of it to action, dispel some of it. We also have, you know, designated channels in our, in our Slack environment. That's just strictly for celebrating everybody. So like, mm. John did an amazing job on this call today. Everyone should know about it. Or, you know, Jordan did a, a crush the sales call today. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, lots of, lots of spaces and times for people to exchange ideas and feedback and also praise. So I think that helps a lot. Um, the yeah. third is um, well, having it. Oh, be go ahead. Before you move on, I want to, I want to just acknowledge that, that feedback piece 
because it's this to me, I have continued to observe more and more that this is a critical failure of many, many uh, North American um, enterprise organizations. Uh, for whatever reason, um, the, our American culture, capital C, is <clears throat> averse to conflict. And so when you establish what I love about that is it becomes, you're saying it's an operating principle. This is something that we documented. This is something that we've codified. And this is something that we expect. And so you, you are helping people to get better at this. And I think that's that's the way you should do any skill, right? When we think about what values or operating principles you want to work on, it's this is what we expect. Here, we're going to help you get there. But to have this in a particular area that I think the vast majority of, of, of uh, I guess, maybe what the Western world maybe aren't as quite as um, adept at, I think is really wonderful. And so if I had to guess, I would say that's probably one of the um, probably pivot points or most critical levers in your culture is probably that one. That one is certainly one of the most impactful. I think, um, you know, being growing into a space where you can kind of let your guard down a little bit and expect, like you said, having expectation for others to do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only growth that comes from that. Yeah. Like there's, there's just no, you know, there's very few instances where it's, it's received in a negatively or ignored completely. I mean, that that's rare. Um, and that's a choice and that would reflect on an individual. Right. So like, but the company's expectation and the team's expectation is that we are insisting on excellence from everybody. We're all A players. We all want to be A players. At least we're striving to be, Yeah. you know, and, and that's part of the way there. Like that's part of the journey. So, um, being able to, to depend on each other, to just give me the feedback I need. I want to be better. Right. Um, nobody's just sitting back on their heels and, and waiting for the day to go by. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, you know, just to be able to document that and say, hey, look, this is one of those things. All right. Thank you for indulging me in that. Number three, third operating principle. Third. And this one's probably another one of my favorites because I. You only have four. So you all you can't just say I have four favorites. Four favorites. Um, Have a bias for action and move fast. So you don't it's not so much don't don't wait for permission, but it's like if you have three or four competing ideas, just pick one and go. Mm. Um, and, and like, try to keep moving fast. There isn't time, at least in our business and at our stage of the, of the company, we want to continue to accelerate, right. And and advance and innovate quickly. And that's, there's just not time to slow down, have a committee, you know, I mean, we, we, even at 300, we still allow each other to like go fast, break things. No big deal. If we, if we fail, we're going to keep moving. Um, I mean, we, we learn a lot that way. You know, we, we have our failures, but we, we, we definitely rebound. Um, we always come back stronger. Um, I sound like a coach. Um, so I do love that one. That one, I get um, slapped on my hand the most for just stop up threeing so much. Um, and then the last one is act and invest like an owner. So this is like the idea of we don't want to have to go and watch your every move. Nobody's interested in doing that at this stage. Um, there's a book um, 
the Netflix founder, is it Reed Hastings? Mm-hmm. Reed, yeah, the no rules rules. Mm-hmm. And where he's he's basically saying like, don't don't get the first class ticket if you don't, I mean, do it if you gotta, but you know, don't, don't do it if you don't have to, if you're not flying to England or something, like basically don't be a a-hole about money and making business decisions. So um, if you can just kind of continue to have that in the back of your mind, I'm an owner in this company. How am I going to spend my money? How am I going to invest my time? And how am I going to treat people around me? And how do I, I mean, just like, what, how, how do I want to perceive I don't want to be perceived and how do I want the company to be perceived? Mm. Yeah. They're all, I mean, they're all easy to link back to. Um, I think the fact that they're short, they're easy to remember. You could pretty much apply any action you have to one of those. Um, And like I said, we sort of, we have every month on the all hands, we have an award ceremony. So somebody gets nominated for, or elect, I guess, awarded um, for each of those operating principles every month. Great. So they're celebrated um, and people love it. I mean, it's it's so wonderful to see people getting acknowledged, um, mm-hmm. particularly people that aren't necessarily customer facing or aren't necessarily like in full view all the time, but their work is essential. So like I can speak from the IT perspective right now, like we have some amazing talent on the IT side, but it's not something you would see from a customer's perspective very often. So just the fact to be recognized internally is so meaningful. Mm. I think continues to bring people, you know, value that they're looking for. That's, that's amazing. Um, (laughs) I'm ready to come. I'm ready to join. Um, (laughs) What? So I have to ask those to what you've just described, you're calling them operating principles. To me, they sound like values. That's what I hope um, when I create values for an organization that they're actionable and memorable, it's all the stuff that, and I would say they are, except for you have four values as well. Mm-hmm. How do you, what, what, I'm a little confused, right? Like, how do I, how do I sort through this as an employee? How do you talk about the difference between the two? Because now well, you've, you've sold me, I'm, I'm in, <laughs> but that, now you've also got further down the page. I see you have values as well. Yeah, I think, I think values is, you know, what do you, how are you internally? How are you as a person? What do you value as a person? And then the operating principles are how do you deliver Mm. most more than likely. So the values like sustainability, collaboration, um, impact and equality. So, um, I mean, you, those all have, those all carry massive amounts of weight and those are all on the job description. So, you know, coming in exactly what you're getting into, um, Another thing for that I think has been a nice pivot for us in the last couple of years is we include kind of what your first 90 days looks like in the job description. So people mm. are really tuned in when they come aboard, they know yeah. exactly what they're getting into. Heads up, eyes open. Yeah. I do love that. That's great. That's cool. All right, cool. Um, so you you told us about a terrible experience that you had, but I also want to hear about a win. Um, you, 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 you have a great onboarding you tell us all this, is there another, is there some, um, uh, experience that you went through where you're like, that is how I'm going to do it from now on, or this is the tidbit that I has informed my, uh, approach. I can take a negative maybe and spin it into a positive, whatever um, you want. Tell yeah, us, so tell I us had, it all. I had the experience of, um, working for a company that got acquired. 
and is right at the holidays. And that can All be right. really I, I already know that that is right? a hard, that's it's hard. tough. Everyone's looking at each other going, what are we what's, doing? What's going to happen now? Everyone's scared. People have families, you know, people are dependent on the insurance. And when we got, we started the process, which again was like right at the holidays and it was already super tense and there was no transition um, plan. There was nothing planned. There was no, there was no benefits discussion. There was nobody talking about like, where does your role map to the role here? Um, so people were just like added terror on top of terror. And I realized like, this is where my, this is where my skill set works really well. So I just, so I'm really protective of all these people over here. I want to know what's going on over here. Tell me everything and then get the people to where they need to be. So I felt like I came into that with every, with the timid, you know, trepidation that everybody else had Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. came out of it with like, we're going to make it, we're going to be just fine. Like we've Mm -hmm. got each other's back still. I know that, you know, that decision for our company to sell was probably really difficult and it was intended to keep an amazing team together. And I kept that in mind um, going forward. So, you know, we, we were able to keep most everybody together, um, you know, but, um, lost, lost a couple of good people in that transition as you will. Yeah. But you're going to, I realized like I have, this is where I thrive this particular spot right here. So I was able to kind of dig in there and, and, um, you know, save some people. And a lot of people are still there doing great work. That's amazing. Yeah, that that merger acquisition moment is the the lack of information, right? So everything is changing. And so everything is on the table. And so I'd like to know as an employee, everything like you, it's almost impossible to share that much information. But if you share nothing, then everybody's like, you know, you're going to get zero engagement, zero productivity, everybody's freaking out. So it's a, it's an, it is a challenging problem. Culture is one of the, and I've written about this culture is one of the biggest overlooked um, gaps, opportunities in an M&A moment, right? Mm -hmm. Like that just, you just, it's just not seen. And I just, I wish it were, you know, I really, I, I have worked with and have been lucky enough to get called in to help with some of those. And that's, that was, it's great. It was someone who really understood that that was important because it would have gone poorly if we hadn't worked on that. So yeah, kudos to you for that. Um, any, uh, any other final, uh, stories or thoughts that you'd like to share, um, that you've learned through your time being a non-culture culture professional? (laughs) Um, well, I'm, I think I I mentioned I'm, I'm, uh, getting ready to start an MBA. So I'm reading a, a, a boatload of books right now that have nothing to do with work business really but one of them is i think i told you about this the b book did i tell you about the b book i don't think i heard so about it's book. it's called i got inspired by somebody's story about this bee swarming through their yard and looked up this book and the woman that wrote it is here in vancouver and it's called the song of increase and it's telling about this moment i mean the stories the, the book is about it, beekeeping but it's the story of or the process of when the bees coming out of spring are starting to build their hive and build for the spring and, and they're, you know, building their hive and they're building their um, comb and everything to make the honey for the winter. They start to evolve almost. And like, they start to become so big that some of them have to leave and they'll take their queen and all their most experienced bees and they will leave. 
And in the moment right before that happens, and all this is known, this is all innate, and they've all been born for a thousand years. They all just have this information, the data in their mind. And right before they leave, it's moments. And the song that she calls the song of increase, it's the song of the swarm as they're about to leave. And, and it's, it's like, what could we possibly do to have that much knowledge between us? And I think I was thinking about it in terms of culture, like we have an opportunity if we're sharing information in the right way and that it's just sort of like passed along without even having to do anything to pass it along, that would be the dream. Um, so the idea that, um, in fact, there's a follow-up book, um, like I said, I've been reading a lot, um, by Seth Godin, who his book is called The Song of Significance and it's similar and um, but he talks about it in the in the landscape of of work and profession and and he says basically that the the uh, honey is a byproduct of a healthy hive and yep. I think for work I mean what more could you ask for so um, but yeah other than that that was just something that's been on my mind I've been preaching bees to everybody lately for some reason <laughs> <laughs> well I think we know the reason that's really <laughs> profound. Um, and yes, uh, the, um, honey is the, the result. And, and one of the things that I have said is, you know, profit is just proof of the work that you're doing mm -hmm. and you don't want to shortcut that right. if you shortcut it. then it's, and it's not sustainable. And that's, that's, I think the, the most important part, right? Like that's, that's, we've kind of uh bastardized capitalism in that way right like there's capitalism's great for efficiency but when when you skip over the how it becomes problematic and so yeah. that's what we really want to we want to go back to kind of that value creation as opposed to what are people gonna how how can i get people to give me money yeah we need another episode for that yeah we do need another episode for that awesome Morgan Gerritsen, Director of Digital Operations at Persephone. You can learn about Persephone's work at persephone.com, P-E-R-S-E-F-O-N-I.com. Thank you so much for coming on Great Mondays Radio. It was uh, a real pleasure to get, to get to talk to you. You bet. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Great Mondays Radio. Hey, if you want to be a guest, head over to greatmondays.com slash radio. We'd love to hear from you. And if you think this episode was interesting and your friends and fans would enjoy it, please share on social media. And if you want to get more people to understand the power of company culture in business today, please rate and review Great Mondays Radio on your podcasts app or podcast feed. It really helps us reach more people. If you want to make sure to hear more candid conversations with culture leaders, subscribe to Great Mondays Radio. And I'd love to connect with you. Find me on LinkedIn at aka Josh Levine, on YouTube at Great Mondays. And you can always email me, josh at greatmondays.com. Find out more about our work with hypergrowth technology and social enterprise organizations, or grab a copy of our book at greatmondays.com. I'm Josh Levine. Thanks for listening to Great Mondays Radio. Peace. Peace.